The following audio is from Two Pillars Church, a gospel-centered, missionally-focused church located in Lincoln, Nebraska. More information about Two Pillars Church can be found at www.twopillarschurch.com. Now, if you've been tracking with us for the last few weeks, you know that um, on Easter we finished preaching through the Gospel of Mark. It's been a little bit of a long journey there, and... um, and it's been good for us. This morning, what we're doing is beginning a four-week topical series on prayer. Um, after that, we're going to do a brief three-week series on giving and stewardship. And then we're going to settle into the, the minor prophets for most of the summer, just to kind of let you know uh, where we're headed as a church. So prayer, and then giving, and then the minor prophets. But right now, beginning today, we're, we're talking about prayer. And in my, my hope, right, my heart for this series is that through it, uh, God would help us not just to grow in prayer, okay, but, but really to flourish in it. Uh, this series has been birthed out of a, a lot of pastoral conversations with, with you all um, over the last year specifically. Uh, I've heard a lot of you articulate things like, you know, I'd really like to grow in my prayer life. Or, boy, my prayer life is just not, it's not where I want it to be. Um, also heard you say things like, I'd, just, I'd really like to be I'd just really like to be better at that. Um, and so to, to give you just a, a little bit of a roadmap, really, for the next four weeks with this series, this morning we're going to be talking about the, the purpose of prayer. What's the purpose? What are, we, what are we after, really, when we talk about prayer? Next week we're going to talk about the possibility of prayer. And what I want for next week is for you to begin to envision yourself, your life, as one really flourishing in prayer, so next week will be incredibly practical. Um, in week three, we're going to hit on the perplexity of prayer. Like, uh, how do you pray when you don't feel like it? How do, how do you pray, how do you take hard things to God, even at times your hard heart to, to God? And then in week four, we're going to talk about the permanence of prayer and, and really look at what, what did the Apostle Paul mean when he said things like, pray unceasing. Pray without ceasing. Again, through all of it, we're asking God to, to help us flourish in prayer. And as we drop into this, I, I know that our experience with prayer and our practice of, of praying, even our, our discipline in prayer right now is, is pretty widespread, right? Perhaps you've never prayed before except for when something has gone terrible in your life. And you're like, man, I don't even know if I'm ready for, for talking about this because I, I just don't do it. That's okay, and, and I'm here to tell you this morning that the Father's heart is just open wide to you. Uh, hear him say, you are welcome to come on in. Maybe you've tried praying before but are disillusioned. Maybe you don't really believe in prayer. That's okay too. Father says to you as well, come on in. My heart is open wide to you. It could be that you are bruised and broken in unique ways um, from life or ways that people have wronged you recently or a long time ago. Maybe there's old hurts that have never been healed. And and that acts as a a barrier for you in prayer. You actually avoid prayer because while you believe in God, he seems distant or you feel unworthy or defiled or, or whatever it is. Father says to you this morning, Come on in. You might be someone who has prayed and prayed, but seen very little come from it. 
And God doesn't seem to be answering your prayers. And prayer maybe seems powerless. And, and you're ready to just throw in the towel on it. <laughs> His heart is open to you. Maybe you know how great prayer is, but you feel like an absolute failure at it. Right? Uh, you forget. You get distracted. You know you should pray more, but you don't. And as soon as I started talking about prayer this morning, it's like a, a cloud of guilt came in from one of these windows and just settled in right over the top of you this morning. Listen, God is ready and thrilled to just blow that cloud away. He says, come on in. Even at the far end of killing it, <laughs> you, might, you might be thriving at prayer right now. And listen, there's always more. It's always always more. God says even to you, come on in, keep on coming in. I want to flourish you. I want you to keep on flourishing in prayer. So this morning is, is all about groundwork, all right, for this, for this series. And I've got three big ideas that I want us to look at today as essential groundwork. Number one, the problem of prayer. Have you ever noticed how hard it is to pray? Why is that? All right, we're going to talk about that. Number two, the priority of prayer, specifically in the New Testament, and then through the New Testament into your life. The problem of prayer, the priority of prayer, and then number three, the purpose of prayer. That is an essential groundwork element right there. Because um, if, if we don't understand the purpose of prayer, we'll, we'll turn it into all kinds of weirdness, all right? Usually reducing God down to some form of genie in a bottle, okay? And so we got the problem of prayer, the priority of prayer, the purpose of prayer. There's a lot of P's in this series, okay? Um, but let's start where we need to because prayer isn't easy. <laughs> um, it's hard for most of us. And can we admit that? Uh, it doesn't come naturally to, to most of us. Doing stuff and keeping busy comes naturally to us. Like, vegging out on Netflix until midnight and sleeping in comes naturally to us. Prayer doesn't. Have you ever experienced what, what I'll call our bizarre relationship with prayer? Uh, we have a bizarre relationship with prayer. I don't know if you've noticed this in your own life, but prayer is something that we both yearn for and sort of hide from. Uh, we long for it, and yet we ignore it at times. We're attracted and repelled by prayer at the same time. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. It's something we know we should do as Christians. It's even something we want to do as Christians. But for some reason, there's like this bizarre, invisible barrier to it. Why is that? What's the problem with prayer? Or ask it a different way for you. What, what holds you back from praying more? Have you ever genuinely stopped to think about that and, and, and given it an intellectually and emotionally honest answer? What holds you back from praying more? We might answer things like busyness or you know, just other obligations. i got to go to work. i got the demands of family. Sure, but that's not actually being intellectually honest, is it? I mean, you still find time to eat. <laughs> you still find time to brush your teeth, sometimes even twice a day. You know, you, you've, you've, you've got time to take in that podcast just about every day of your life. No, there's something deeper, isn't there? Lots of somethings, actually. And you say, well, I, I don't know how. I'm not very good at it. Um, that's what holds me back. But don't we know in our hearts that prayer 
while it can be difficult, it's really not that complicated. <laughs> I mean, we don't need a seminary course on prayer to know how to pray, do we? You know, to be sure, there are all kinds of ways that, to pray and to learn how to pray and, and you know, techniques and forms of prayer and, and methods of prayer and all that. I love learning about that stuff, right? But prayer is also extremely simple. It's just talking to God. You don't even have to talk out loud. It's just, it's just talking with him. But see, very often we sense that we don't have everything that we need in order to, to be able to pray. We sense that we have to have everything just right to pray. That's part of it. We think that we need to clean up our lives a little first and pull ourselves together before presenting ourselves before him. We think we need more knowledge on how to, to pray, to have a better grasp on historical techniques where the circumstances have to be just right. You know, up at 6 a.m. with no kids crying and 8.5 hours of sleep the prior night. Or all by myself at a coffee shop, but not too many people there and not the, not the grinder running, you know? Um, and the reason these are problems for prayer is precisely because we don't understand the purpose of prayer. See, one of the greatest problems of prayer is that we think it's something to master. The way you master a hobby or a craft. But that is to completely mistake the purpose of prayer. In, in prayer, we're not looking to master anything. We're looking to be mastered. We're looking to surrender our lives and submit ourselves before God and commune with him. In, in prayer, we don't have to have it all together. We just come to him. We don't have to have the words just right, the timing just right, the physical posture just right. We just come to him. Listen, you don't even have to worry about doing it wrong. And I'm tempted to add all kinds of caveats to that right now. We'll, we'll save that for next week. But listen, right now, you don't even have to worry about doing it wrong. You know, one of the most amazing concepts and truths of the Bible is that when you become a Christian, you're adopted into the family and considered and cared for as a child of God. The Apostle John says it this way in 1 John 3. He says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. I mean, it's almost as if he can't believe it. <laughs> it's almost as if John is saying, can you believe that God relates to us like this? Well, he does, John says. <laughs> now think about that for a minute. Um, I I've got three daughters, and when each one of them were little, they loved to do what little kids love to do. They love to draw pictures, color pictures, Right and, and, and of all kinds of different things, and then come and bring them and show them to mom and dad. Right Now, even when one of their drawings is 100% uninterpretable, you know what I'm talking about? Right? Um, even on a bad day, I, I've never said, kiddo, that is a terrible picture of a dog. Go back and try again. You know, I mean, that's, <laughs> not even a bad dad says something like that. You'd have to be like top 10 worst dads of all time to do something like that. And if you've done that, you need to repent. And, and we, we can talk about that later. But listen, brothers and sisters, our Father in Heaven is the perfect, loving Father in Heaven. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And what that means is even when you bring an ugly, <laughs> selfish, 
100% uninterpretable prayer to him. Do you know what he says? He says, thank you for bringing this to me. I am so glad you came. Let's, let's sit down and look at this together for a little while. Friends, there's really no problem with prayer. The problem is with us. The problem is we don't think that God relates to us like that. We think he'll crumple up our ugly prayer and throw it over here in the trash in the do not answer category. Or, or maybe we think he'll say, stop bothering me, I don't have time for you. Figure it out for yourself. Why do I have to do everything around here? Or, or maybe we, we think that he'll do the thing that we do sometimes with our kids when they're telling us about something and we're not really listening, but we just kind of nod and say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. That's not the heart of the perfect father in heaven towards his children. Instead, he says, listen, my heart is wide open to you. It's wide open. Welcome, my child. Come on in. And we can grow in seeing this by looking at the priority of the prayer in the New Testament, actually. When you, when you read the New Testament, the Gospel and Acts in particular, when you read it with an eye for prayer, you begin to see just how much emphasis is placed on prayer. It's a priority. Right? In fact, when we look closely at the New Testament, you know what we see? We, we see in the life of Jesus in particular, we see, number one, Jesus commands prayer. He commands us to pray. Number two, we see that he examples prayer to us. We see that he teaches us to pray. And we even see Jesus leave a legacy of prayer. Turn to the Gospel of, of Luke in your Bible. One of the things I did this last week was just read through the Gospel of Luke and say, Lord, show me everywhere that they're praying. Show me everywhere Jesus is praying. Show me what prayer looks like in the Gospel according to Luke. It was a fun exercise. So turn over there to Luke. We're going to look at this. Because we need to see that, that prayer isn't just a nice extra for the Christian life. It's to be a priority. Luke 6. And while you're turning to Luke 6, I'll also remind you of Jesus' words in Matthew 6. Where Jesus says, when you pray, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Pray to our Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. All right, notice Jesus doesn't say, if you pray. If you get around to it. No, he says, when you pray. He, he assumes, doesn't he, that we pray. And further than that, when we look at Luke's gospel, we see that he commands us to pray. We see it in Luke chapter 6, verse 27. Jesus says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. In context, he's talking about persecution. Pray for those who persecute you. That's a command. I mean, you, you real, that's a, that is an imperative. Do it, Jesus says. Again, in Luke 10, verse 2, he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. In case you don't realize it, that's not optional. You're not free to do this or not to do this. You are commanded here by Jesus to pray. Or Luke 18, verse 1. Right before re recording the, the parable of the persistent widow, Luke says that Jesus told them that parable so that they ought always to pray 
and not lose heart. <laughs> I mean, we could keep going. We, we just keep going and going through Luke's gospel, right? All the way into the, the Garden of Gethsemane, where multiple times Jesus commands his disciples, pray, pray, pray. Listen, Jesus, he's not just some cruel religious taskmaster going around commanding everyone to pray. He also examples prayer to us in his life, doesn't he? We won't flip through all these passages, but just staying in Luke, we see Luke 5.16, he withdraws to a desolate place to do what? Pray. Luke 6, verse 12, he went out to the mountain again by himself. And all night, we're told, he continued praying to God. Some of my favorite stories in the Gospels when the disciples are trying to find Jesus. They can't find Jesus and Jesus is off by himself praying. There's like, everyone's looking for you, Jesus. What are you doing? But he knows. He knows. And he shows. He examples to us the priority of prayer. Chapter 9, verse 18, Luke records he was praying alone again. Chapter 10, uh, 10, I'm sorry, 10 verses later in chapter 9, verse 28, right before the transfiguration, he takes Peter and James and John up on the mountain. Do you remember why? To pray. See, prayer isn't just something that we're commanded to do by Jesus. It's not just something Jesus says, do it, it's it's good for you. No, he shows us. He examples to it. It's good for him. Our Lord Jesus himself Loved to pray. And he delighted in it. He flourished in prayer. And so we see that he commands us to pray. He examples prayer to us. Next, he he teaches us. In Luke 11, verse 1, you should turn there. This is one of the passages that Brian read right before the sermon. One of these occasions when Jesus was praying... In a certain place, we're told, exampling prayer. Look, we know that he's exampling prayer. We know at least one of the disciples is watching him because he waits until Jesus is finished praying. He's like watching Jesus pray. Okay, he's done now. And he goes over to him and says, Lord, teach us to do that. (laughs) Teach us how to pray. And he did. He, He said to them, when you pray, pray like this. Hallow the Father's name. Honor him as holy. Pray for the the kingdom of God to to come. Ask for what you need each day, remembering that you don't deserve anything, that you're sinful. Ask for forgiveness and the ability to, to forgive others. That doesn't just come naturally to us. We need God to do that work in us, to forgive others. You know what I'm talking about? And because temptation fills the world, he tells them, Ask to be guarded from it. Ask to be guarded daily from temptation. And then jumping down to verse 9, he says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Ask. Seek. Knock. The, the, the sense there is ask and, and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and don't stop. Church, Jesus commands prayer. He examples prayer. He teaches prayer. And then lastly, under this point, he leaves a legacy of prayer. 
Have you thought about this? After the resurrection, after the ascension, when Jesus returned to heaven, the, the, the very first thing that Luke records in the book of Acts is that the disciples were in the upper room. What were they doing? Playing checkers? No, they were praying. They were praying, all of them, with one accord, Acts 1.14 says, not just praying, but devoting themselves to prayer. They were, they were getting after it in prayer. And they never stopped. Right? They, they had heard Jesus commanding them to pray. They had witnessed his example. That They had asked and he had taught them how to pray. And so here they are continuing in it. In fact, in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, one of, the, one of the greatest passages describing how, how and what the early church did, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and what? The prayers. Acts 3, verse 1. Peter and John are going up to the temple at the hour of what? Prayer. In chapter 4, Peter and John are arrested. They're threatened. They're admonished. And eventually they're released. And what's the first thing they go and do? Pray some more. Chapter 6, they're praying over and laying hands on those who are going to be set apart to specifically serve the church. And they set them apart for that work in part. Why? So that the 12 could devote themselves to preaching the word in what? More prayer. Chapter 10, what's Peter doing on the housetop when he receives the vision to take the gospel to the Gentiles? He's praying. Chapter 12, when Peter's arrested, you know what everyone else was doing? Praying for him. In chapter 13, in Antioch, they pray over Barnabas and Saul to send them off to go plant churches all over the place. And it goes on, it goes on. Jesus commanded prayer, Jesus exampled prayer, Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, and he left a lovely legacy of prayer all the way down through the generations. It's a pillar of our faith, all the way down to you and me today. You and I are to pray, why? Well, out of obedience. Jesus commands us to. We pray also to follow his own example. We are disciples, after all, followers of Jesus. We pray to implement what he teaches. He's taught us to pray, so we pray. And lastly, I mean, it sounds simple, maybe even sounds a little bit trivial, but we pray because we're Christians. In fact, someone somewhere, I can't remember where I read this, but they said it this way, that a Christian who doesn't pray is like a human who doesn't breathe. It's what we do, friends. Even further than that, I would add that a Christian who doesn't pray is like a, it's like a millionaire food connoisseur, right? Who eats off the roller grill at a gas station. You know about roller grills? You got those like six-week-old hot dogs on there with that orange-dyed cheese like oozing out. Nobody knows where that came from. It's like orange number 72 or something like that they put in there. Right? Look, look. You and I, as Christians, we have access. We have access to the God of the universe. He hears you. He's paying attention to you. He longs for you to come to him. God does. And if, if that's true, why wouldn't you pray? And why eat off the roller grill when you, can, when you can enjoy the absolute best that the cosmos has to offer? 
Prayer is to be a priority in your life, my friends, not because it's some duty, but because it is the richest, it's the richest privilege we have on this side of heaven. And if you don't understand that, you don't understand the purpose of prayer. Uh, Richard Foster is a Christian theologian. He's best known for his book on spiritual disciplines. It's called The Celebration of Discipline. It's kind of an ironic name, right, for most of us. It sounds ironic. Um, it's provocative. It's one of the first books I ever read on spiritual disciplines. Well, he's also written a book simply on prayer, which is, which is titled, the subtitle is Finding the Heart's True Home. And I want you to, this morning, I just want you to hear Foster's words in the opening pages of his book. I want you to hear him describe prayer. He, he uses a, a, a simple and yet complex, elaborate metaphor that, that illustrates for us the purpose of prayer. Just listen to this. All right? It's a little bit long. You might want to even just close your eyes and, and, and listen to this word. Receive this. Imagine this. Hear, hear what he says. He says, God is inviting you and me to come home, to come home to where we belong, to come home to that for which we were created. His arms are stretched out wide to receive us. His heart is enlarged to take us in. For too long, we have been in a far country, a country of noise and hurry and crowds country of climb and push and shove, country of frustration and fear and intimidation, and he welcomes us home, home to serenity and peace and joy, home to friendship and fellowship and openness, home to intimacy and acceptance and affirmation. We don't need to be shy. He invites us into the living room of his heart where we can put on old slippers and share freely. He invites us into the kitchen of his friendship where chatter and batter mix in good fun. He invites us into the dining room of his strength where we can feast to our heart's delight. He invites us into the study of his wisdom where we can learn and grow and stretch and ask all the questions we want. He invites us into the workshop of his creativity where we can be co-laborers with him. He invites us into the bedroom of his rest where new peace is found and where we can be naked and vulnerable, and free. It is also the place of deepest intimacy where we know and are known to the fullest. This is the purpose of prayer, friends. Deep, intimate, ongoing communion with God. It's us coming to God for the sake of God and getting God. His beauty, his love, his presence, his joy. 
In prayer, he invites us, right, to, to use Foster's phrase into the living room of his heart to abide in him, live in him. And right about now, you ought to be asking yourself, how is that even possible? Well, through Jesus. That's how. See, after describing this house, Foster goes on. He says, the key to the house is prayer, and Jesus is the door. (laughs) Jesus provides the way in. He knows you're sinful. He knows you don't deserve anywhere anywhere close to being in this house. And so he made a way in. He lived the perfect life. He prayed the perfect prayers. He died in your place. He rose in victory over darkness and death so that you might live through him. In other words... When you trust in Jesus, when you become a Christian, you no longer have to stand outside. Your access into the living room of God's heart is no longer restricted by your sinfulness and rebellion. You enter in through the door of God's grace and mercy, Jesus Christ himself, through whom, with confidence, you were invited... (laughs) The writer of Hebrews says, to to draw near to the throne of grace that you may receive mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. And prayer is the key. The purpose of prayer is communion with God. That's what we're after. Communion. Fellowship. Enjoying his presence. Abiding in him. Living with him. You know, can you remember the first time you fell in love? You remember that? When you were giddy, you were gushing, you were ridiculous, weren't you? And you couldn't wait to spend time with that person. I mean, they were perfect in your eyes. They were, they were flawless. I mean, wasn't it just incredible? And then what happened? You know, you, you got to know them, you spent more time with them, and you realize they chew with their mouth open. <laughs> they... They don't squeeze out the dish rag. <laughs> they, you know, they snore. More than that, they, they don't really care for all your flaws either. You know, And maybe, maybe even, they broke your heart and proved that you can't trust them. <laughs> Listen, God isn't like that, is he? Oh, he's perfect. He's covered your flaws with the blood of Jesus. He will never break your heart. And, and the more you get to know him the more you realize increasingly how flawless and perfect he truly is. Which means the giddy ought never wear off. The the gushing, the, the, the can't wait to spend time with him, it need never fade. Even when you grow distant, even when you've grown over consumed with yourself and neglected the relationship, he says to you all over again this morning, come home. Come on in. The door is still open through Jesus. The Father's heart is open wide to you. Hear him say, you are welcome to come on in. <laughs> now, I want to end with a challenge. Remember my, my prayer, my hope, is not just that you'd grow a little in prayer through this series, you know, just fine-tune in your prayer life a little bit. That my, my hope is that you would learn to flourish in prayer. The only way that happens is through praying, <laughs> Okay? And so here's the challenge this week, whether you've never prayed before or whether you have such a 
you know, banging spiritual discipline life of, of prayer that you've got to add this to, to the end of it. Whatever it is, this week, I want to challenge you to set aside 15 minutes every single day. Okay, it doesn't matter when, 15 minutes to pray for three things. Number one, for God to help you flourish in prayer. All right, if you're struggling with desiring to pray, listen, that's where you start, right there. Like, give even your lack of prayer and even your, your lack of desire to pray, give it to him. Invite God to kindle a fire of love for him in you. Second thing to pray in your 15 minutes each day this week is for God to flourish in us as a church, for him to flourish us as a church in prayer. Listen, we are all in this together, right? Uh, your walk with Jesus isn't just about your walk with Jesus. It's about mine and everybody else in this room's too, okay? Uh, James says in 5.16, he commands us actually, pray for one another. Real simple, he just says, do it. Pray for one another. Again, your walk with Jesus, it's, it's not just about you, it's about helping others walk with Jesus too. One really important way that we do that, one really important way that we help others walk faithfully with Jesus is praying for him. And so in your first 15 minutes, pray for, for God to help you flourish in prayer. Pray that he would flourish us as a church in prayer. And then number three, pray for whatever else comes to your mind. Whatever else. Anything. Everything. Take it all to him, warts and all, he'll sort it out. Next week, we'll talk a little bit about how he sorts it out and what the implications of that are for you, right? But for right now, just hear him say, bring it all to me, and then you're going to hear him say, as you do that, warts and all, as you bring it all to him, you're going to hear him say, thank you for bringing this to me. I'm so glad you came. Let's sit down and look at this together for a little while. Let's pray. Father, what, what kind of love have you given us that we should be called your children, and so we are? We can hardly believe it. In fact, some of us can't. And so would you create in us, right now, right here, a holy longing, a holy desire to commune with you? Help us now, Lord, to flourish in prayer. To receive and embrace it as the richest privilege to enjoy this side of eternity. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Two Pillars Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Two Pillars Church, please visit www.twopillarschurch.com.